What if the most important piece of fitness advice that you've ever been given is 100% completely wrong? That's what we're going to discover and talk about and find out more about on today's episode of The Movement Movement, the podcast for people who want to know the truth about what it takes to have a happy, healthy, strong body, starting feet first usually because, you know, those things are your foundation. We break down the propaganda and the mythology, sometimes the outright lies that you've been told about what it takes to run or walk or hike or play or do yoga or crossfit, whatever it is you like to do, and to do that enjoyably, efficiently, effectively. Did I mention enjoyably? Don't tell me. I know I did because it's a trick question. So, because look, if you're not having fun, do something different to you are. You're not going to keep it up if you're not having a good time. And we call so true. Thank you, Ben. We call this the movement movement because we are creating a movement. That's we. That involves you. And I'll say more about that in a second. About natural movement, we're helping people rediscover that letting your body do what it's designed to do is the better, obvious healthier choice, just the way we think of natural food. Um, I'm Stephen Sashen, CEO of ZeroShoes.com. We make ridiculously lightweight, comfortable shoes that people use for everything from taking a walk to running ultra marathons. We do sandals and boots as well. There's one right there, Ben Shell, and we'll get back to that in a sec. So, um, oh, the movement part that involves you, the creating a movement, really simple. Go to our website, www.jointhemovementmovement.com. You'll find wonderful previous episodes, a couple of rants from me as well, because I get in that kind of a mood. And uh, and also all the different ways you can interact with us. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube. And if you're, of course, if you're on any of these places, give us a thumbs up, give us a review, like, subscribe. That's, that's the basic message. If you want to be part of the tribe, please subscribe. All right. Let us jump in. Ben Patrick, it is a pleasure having you here. Why don't you tell people who you are and what you do? And if you want to already address what I teased at the very beginning, you can, or we can get there slightly slower and wet people's appetite. Well, I think you said it, you know, very well. I'm a pretty simple guy. I had really bad knees from trying so hard to be a basketball player. Went through three different surgical alterations by the time I was 18 then my other knee had more tears in it. And I always did follow that advice of no knees over toes. Well, so wait, now wait, wait, pause right there. Yeah. Cause I didn't say what the advice that everyone got was. So let's just jump in. And oh yeah, that's right. You didn't say so, that. <laughs> the number one piece of advice that people have been giving for my God. I mean, I'm 58. I can remember it from the time I was in my teens um, is if yep. you're doing any sort of squatting or lunging, basically to protect your knees, you need to make sure that when you're bending them that way, you don't want your knees to go past your toes further in front of your toes. And Ben has become known. Now, I have to ask if this is a name that you gave yourself or someone gave you as the knees over toes guy. Yep. Yet. Um, basically, you know, you have suddenly become massively, massively popular by saying that advice is 100%. And pardon me if I'm using a medical term, complete bullshit. <laughs> no, I think that's medically accurate. But <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think anyone who wears your shoes is going to understand me in like 60 seconds, meaning it would be no different than saying your foot is hurting. Let's keep putting more junk to protect it rather than just letting it do its natural thing. But you also probably have guidance for people on how to gradually make their way there. Like neither one of us, I don't think is saying, Hey, you should just start working through pain that you can't handle right now. But if you can get there and live a more free life, it, it, life's just going to be a lot more enjoyable. It's not, yeah. life is still going to be hard. The human body is still going to be fragile, but it can be way better than we thought. And so that's what knees over toes is. It's that if you look at the stats, the more that has been restricted, the worse things have gotten. So we're talking not stats of one person, not me as some, you know, specific case. We're talking about 
literally, if you look at like billions of people, the more we just restrict knees over toes, we wind up with these epidemics of knee surgeries and knee replacements. And not to mention for every person you talk to with that, there's a hundred people, you know, hooked on painkillers because that's not even really something we talk about. So that's, that's the direction that I was already in at 18 to 20 years old. And now I figured out how to gradually get good at knees over toes. Well, and now I deliver that. And someone actually commented on one of my posts because now that I'm wearing your, I've been wearing your shoes for a bit now. And they said, this is one of the best adult purchases I've ever made is the zero shoes. And I thought that was such a fitting quote because that's kind of what I'm trying to bring for people too. You know, I'm trying to give them one of the best, you know, adult purchases that they've had. And let me, God, there's so many places to go from what you just said, um, but let me address the last thing first. So I, um, I love collecting fitness programs. It's just one of my favorite things just to see what people are doing. And oh, that's cool. There are a couple that I have that I will never do because it just doesn't fit my goals, but they're so interesting that I want to try them for a little bit just to you know see what it's like. So that's a whole different thing. But what you're doing- Yeah, but what you just said, that's just as important for having understanding. I wouldn't be the knees over toes guy if I wasn't the knees behind toes guy at a certain point. You know what I mean? Like- Right. We can't just only see life through a straw and not be willing to see all, all, you know, all the different sides of it. Yeah. I mean, there are some, you know, there are some really interesting people doing some really interesting things. And again, I'm not going to do some massive high volume hypertrophy workout, um, especially massive upper body things, because I'm still training to be a competitive sprinter. I mean, I still am a competitive sprinter. So it's so the last cool. thing I need, but you know, the vain part of me that likes to try new things definitely is yep. going to do it for six weeks just for the fun of it. So at some point, I don't know when, but to your point, to the thing I want to address is when I signed up for your program, um, whole different game. The way you've structured thing is structured things is amazing, and it actually is designed almost exactly for what I'm doing as a master sprinter, but it's also for much, much more than that. And one of the things that, in fact, if I had to break down what you're doing, what you discovered into one thought, and tell me if I'm if I'm wrong, you basically are realizing that when it comes to knee stability and strength, there's two components. One is flexibility and the other is strength and strength, particularly in that VMO, which for people who don't know that muscle on the inside of your, your thigh, right above your knee, that little teardrop shaped thing that not only is massively underdeveloped for most people, but I'm having a flashback back when I was an, when I was a gymnast, I was landed and twisted and heard that come out of my knee and uh, had torn the meniscus. And I, my right knee had been out of whack. The the VMO sort of shut off. It just wasn't really working uh, for quite a long time. And doing your program, which I adore, has really started to wake that up and strengthen that in ways that I didn't even know it was still weak. So things that were problematic for me before, not so much things and strength exercises that are really important for running. And I'm going to stop ranting in a second, but this is my, you know, holy crap, you know, this is great. Um, things like, and we'll talk about the the Nordic hamstring curl. You know, I could barely do it before. I don't know if you've seen the video. If you haven't, I'll show you. I like made it all the way down and all the way back up the other day. I didn't even know. Uh- it. Send that to me. I'd, I'd love to post that. It's. I, I will concede that um, I hadn't videotaped it, so there's a little more hip bend than I would like. But even still, at 59, it's pretty impressive. <laughs> I, I think that's freaking awesome. And I also, I, I couldn't love your goal anymore, you know, how you're doing master sprinting. I'm only, you know, quote unquote, only 30, but that's the exact direction I'm going down because my teens and 20s, I never got to see what I was capable of, you know. So now, now in my posts, one way that I capture people's attention is they see me throwing down dunks. And my, my college coach is like, 
man, when I coach this guy, I don't even know if he could touch the rim, you know? Yeah. And so, so I wasn't able to break records then, but like, who the heck knows what I'll be able to do now in my thirties, forties. So it's like, we're all in our own game. It doesn't have to be the yeah. NBA finals to be as meaningful as the NBA final. You know, just numerically, it's impossible for all of us to be in the NBA finals. You know, numerically, it's impossible for all of us to be in the Olympics, but that doesn't mean we have to not have goals and not have the same thrills, you know? Well, you know, my goals have evolved as a sprinter. I got back into it when I was 45. I had taken a 30 year Wow. Goal. And um, so my original goal was, you know, of course, hey, I want to win races. And then I started yeah. going to national competitions and my goal changed because there's some, a bunch of guys who are former world champions, former professional yep. football players, professional sprinters. So my goal is just to show up at the starting line and have people look at me and go, what the hell is he doing here? <laughs> Most of those guys and have people go, what the hell? Which actually happens. But, you know, the thing with sprinting is it's such a crazy genetic thing. There's a guy named Ralph Mann who is a silver medalist in the Munich 400 meter hurdles who wrote a book about sprinting. He says, there's eight factors that go into being a good sprinter, seven are genetic and <laughs> while you maximize your genetics. And there's a, a, a new friend of mine who's got many world championships and national championships um, uh, and the hundred meters and, um, and the 50 or 60 indoors as well, who just crushes me. I mean, just destroys me. And here's the kicker. I think his third race, when he got back into sprinting at 39, I think his third race ever not like a whole bunch of training and then a third race. I think like the third time he got on the track was for nationals and he won. Yep. You know, he's a genetic freak. Well, and we've all, if any of us who grew up in sports, we also knew different people, you know, prior to training and we could see the massive genetic difference in speed. Oh, yeah. All that being said, you know, you can maximize your genetics. You're 59. Exactly. And I guarantee anyone listening to this that you can actually maximize things more than would be expected, but your strength program would have to be honest biologically to speed. So if we're only thinking about traditional lifts, then absolutely your seven out of eight of those are going to be genetic, you know, well, but so now with some tweaks, maybe it could be 50, 50 genetic versus what you do about it, you know, and that's honestly, you know how insane I am. If I'm, you know, I'm going to get the best in the world at some of these qualities that relate to speed. So I've gone from, I, I actually broke my high school team record in the 40 yard dash. Now I'm talking about for how slow I was. So no, I, I didn't, point. I was leading the team in scoring and I ran a six second 40 yard dash. Now people who hear that, they don't even believe it, but I, yeah. I have, I got quotes, you know, from all my past coaches. So when I ran the first one, he thought he malfunctioned, you know, the stopwatch. So then I ran it in front of the team again. Then he made me take my shoes off. He was like, am I wearing like training weighted shoes or like what's going on? And so it was super embarrassing for me to be that slow to break the, the team record for slowness. But now when I play basketball, speed is easily my biggest weapon. I'm, I'm only six foot one, which for basketball means I'm usually the shortest guy in the court. Dude, I'm so, five, five. I am definitely yeah. the shortest guy at the track. Yeah. Yeah. But for basketball, you know, it's, it's yeah. Yeah, every sport has its own thing, right? I wouldn't, you know, I'd be way too tall to be a gymnast or this or that, you know? So the point is just that speed is, I believe that speed is more trainable than we ever thought it was, you know? And there's a couple of components to that. I mean, one of course is form. And I did a previous podcast episode with um, Nick Romanoff who developed pose method running, which is, I think it's a, the wrong name. It's really what he identified is the common factors of the most successful runners. And once you identify that, if you can, the closer you can get to that, the more energy efficient you're going to be. So form is one thing, strength and appropriate strength is another, but you just mentioned like the normal exercises people think of for strength versus what you've been doing. Can you talk about both of those? And then yeah, at some point, at some point there's a really simple way to break it up. 
Uh, but and really we, simple. Yeah, at some point, I want to like dive in and give people an experience of the difference between not knees over toes versus knees over toes. But let's first do these exercises. Yeah. You know, tricks, yeah. This is what you're discovering. Yeah. I mean, a, a simple little journey would be that you know, if you if you stand there and you want to jump up vertically into the air, your knees just have to go over your toes. It's it's part of the process. Every 40 inch vertical jump in NFL combine history had major knees over toes, and the higher Jumpers can get more knees over toe. They're able to get more of a spring in there. And there's a ton of pressure on the knees and there's pressure on your knees when you go downstairs. And every time you decelerate, then there's a ton of pressure on your knees. And you basically have one knee going over the toe. How much can that handle? And then the next knee goes over the toe. It, so knees over toes is, is part of sport and life. So I went from really bad at that. Like, you know, in my teens, early twenties, I'd be going down the stairs backwards, sideways, you know, like going, or I do the gymnast going down the stairs, you know, when you have like a bum knee and you yeah. just fall on the upper yeah, yeah. body. So, and I, and I couldn't, you know, jump for crap. I was a totally failed basketball player. So I went from really bad at knees over toes to then going on this whole mission, getting really good at it. By the time I was 23, I got a full ride division one scholarship. That was like the beginning of it. As I was starting to break through barriers. The reason I'm setting this up is getting really good at knees over toes made me able to jump vertically really well. It made me able to get like a good, you know, start off the blocks really well, but for top end speed and for one foot jumping, it didn't do a ton for that. So if you think about, and this is where we're getting into, I'm going to really simply break down the difference between traditional training to run faster versus what I do to run faster. So most people who sprint have probably heard of triple extension, you know, so that's the ankles, the knees, and the hips extending. So like if someone does an Olympic lift, that's your, your triple extending. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Triple extension? Yeah, exactly. So again, just the, for people who may not. So if you think yeah. your, your ankle extending, that's your toes pointing effectively. If you think about your knee extending, it's all the way fully, fully extended, not bent. Same thing with your hip. It's um, if you think about just driving your, your heel back, um, so the extension part would be like, if you think about a sprinter coming out of the blocks, the way they like to yep. show extension is it's a straight line from the top of the shoulders down to the heel. And now FYI, many people think that's the goal for sprint starts. And it's actually not, uh, because it means you've wasted some extra effort that you need. To interesting. Interesting. Well, let's, so anyone right now can Google triple extension and see a thousand videos and a right. thousand articles about triple extension. Now, if you search triple flexion, you won't find any articles or any videos <laughs> except for ones that I've done. Right. So I have the world's first triple flexion video. And I also have one of arguably the greatest genetic changes in athleticism. So let's, so let's break this down. When you're now running your squat, your deadlift. Yes. The, these things that give you that extension, those measurables would be part of the equation but just watch someone running in slow motion. And now you're relying much more heavily, not on the knee extending, but on the knee flexing, not on the hip right. extending, but the hip flexing. So for me as a trainer, what I had going for me was me being a total psychopath who somehow thought I was still going to get athletic, oh, still going to run. Please. You're just a sociopath. Exactly. There you go. So <laughs> I just never gave up on trying to get athletic. So even yeah. once I was jumping higher vertically, I still was like, why am I not, you know, I got faster for sure, but I wasn't as fast as the naturally fast guys. Right. Now I'm as fast as the naturally fast guys. Now I run as fast as the average NFL defensive backs that I train. So how did I bridge that gap is by saying, now, wait a second, 
the same measurable strength overload over time, over years, trying to get it strong at triple extension. No one's ever tried that for triple flexion. Now, right, right from the ankle, equipment didn't even exist for it. It existed actually decades ago, and it, it was like the dodo bird of training equipment. That right. So now, if you search tibialis bar, you'll see a bunch of people selling this. So this is 100% from someone coming to me and saying, what needs to exist that doesn't? And I drew up a diagram and I said, this needs to exist, ankle flexion. Yeah, so let's draw, I mean, just to paint the picture for people. So the triple flexion part, if you think about pulling your toes towards your knees, that's dorsiflexion, so that's one. Um, The knees bending, which you can do that from a number of different angles, but the easiest way to think of it is standing up and just keeping your knees together for the sake of argument and lifting your heel up to your butt. Um, now, and then there's the hip part that can go in that where you're flexing your hip, which is again, just like lifting your hip or your knee up towards your chest. Yep. So those yep. are the three components. And in fact, the irony that no one's really talked about that is there's two. One, again, for sprint starts, the flexion part's the most important thing because you've got to get your foot out and down onto the ground. So you can't just have it dragging behind you. That's why triple extension is misunderstood for sprinting starts. You don't want to go fully extended because then you're pushing, you're spending too much time with your leg behind you. And then um, uh, if you talk to, again, to Nick Romanoff, the most important thing is getting that heel up to your butt, getting that knee moving forward so that when you're landing, you're in what he refers to as the pose. And the only way to get there is with triple flexion and to be totally candid. The glitch that I have is that I'm, uh, what he does, it's really annoying. He'll film you and then look at you frame by frame and then compare you to say Usain Bolt. Now that sounds crazy, but it doesn't matter because good running is good running. It doesn't matter if you're the world's yep. fastest man or you. And then basically yep. compare and see, you know, where's your foot landing in relation to your center of mass? Where's your back knee in relation to your front knee? And, um, and Usain Bolt takes like one frame to get from where he lands to having his knees lined up and I'm taking three frames. And so the biggest thing that I'm working on is a lot of the flexion stuff to just get that speed and strength to get, to get things lined up better when I hit the ground. Yep. Yep. So here's the simplicity because these terms, triple flexion, triple extension, if anyone is confused right now, it's only because they've been so missed because they're so simple. It's actually like absurd once you realize what we're talking about. So you might have to go on YouTube and search triple extension, get that, and then search triple flexion and you'll find my video. And like, it's too obvious, right? Right. So if you think about Usain Bull, even if you try to match his triple extension strength, God made him unbelievable at triple flexion. And we don't see our hip flexor muscles. It's not like you walk up and like, bro, (laughs) check out my hip flexor, but the hip flexor has been found to be the biggest difference between regular humans and elite sprinters. And for the record, if I ever mention a study or anything, freaking disregard it, just use common sense because any study can be proven wrong the next day. But I mean, it's just like studies are not for me. I mention it because so many people can't even think unless a study tells them to think. So we, we go through that, you know, people, people say, where's the proof for what you do? I say, yeah. no, 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 for, for 99.95% <laughs> of human history, people were doing what we do. We're not the intervention. Exactly. Yeah, but exactly. I want to make one clarification about hip flexion and hip flexors. It's not the same as when you especially go to like a high school track meet and hear parents yelling at their kids, get your knees up, which is not the same because however high your knee does or doesn't go is a response to how much force you're putting in the ground at the right angle. What we're talking about is is having the strength and speed to like get those knees lined up. Exactly. It's just about the strength in them. It's not about how high they get. It's just about the total strength in them. So these muscles then, and for me training, 
I was saying I had a couple things going for me. One was that I never gave up on anything I couldn't do. I'm going to try to be world class. You know, if I can go from being the guy with the worst knees of anyone I know to now some of the most freaky bulletproof knees in the world that I can jump off shit and land, you know, well, I just thought I could, you know, figure out anything. And I did, but I, the other thing I had going for me is I was a horrible business person. I charged like $15 a session for personal training and trained people thousands of times for zero profit over like a seven year period. And I was happy as can be because I was learning so much and I found the difference between the freak at. So if you take the natural freaks who have never touched a weight, and then you take all these hard workers who still can't run as fast as the natural freaks. And you never give up trying to run as fast as natural freaks. And you eventually do run as fast as natural freaks by getting certain exercises as strong as the natural freaks that the slow guys can't do, even if they can do other things just as well or better. Now you figure out you know, how to train for speed. So let's talk about some of those exercises. We, we mentioned the, the traditional, which is deadlift, squat, Olympic lifts, et cetera. Exactly. And I'm not saying that you don't want to be as strong as possible in triple extension. But again, I'm just saying that that's half of the equation for speed. So I've often been criticized, like for talking about the hip flexors that, oh, those aren't like the prime movers or whatever, just drive up your squat. Yeah, just drive up your squat. Everyone's been trying that shit and they're still slow compared to the natural freaks. We're not talking about getting a little fast. We're talking about getting elite speed when you're naturally slow. So if we start from the ankle, if you had a way of putting weights onto your feet so that you're sitting on a bench with your legs out and then you have to lift the weights with your feet and people are like, Oh yeah, I, I tried that one time with a TheraBand. Oh yeah. You, you tried that. Did you try bench pressing one time with a TheraBand and expect to get, but if you walk in LA fitness, every guy can bench 225. It's just a matter of progressive overload over time. No one's done progressive overload over time for those shin muscles. Who's in sports. The only guys who did it were in bodybuilding and kind of back in the day before steroids entered the scene, because once steroid enters the scene, so much more occurs. Like, have you seen the necks on these guys compared to the body? But so things are going to grow, whether you, you know, you're not losing a bodybuilding competition because of your tibialis anterior size. That's all I'm saying. That is true. Back in the day, you were looking for every possible advantage. And a guy named Bob Gadget who worked at a YMCA, his whole mission in life was getting kids off the streets and off drugs. He was Mr. Universe. He invented this. But guess what? Once he started going to the gym and seeing people shooting up steroids, he had a total life you know, intervention because he went, his whole life was dedicated to getting people off drugs. And now people were doing drugs for the very sport that he loves. He, he quit right then and there. Oh, wow. So he actually created this device to strengthen the anterior tibialis. It's just like doing a curl, but for your ankles. Yeah. And so, so it actually, it fell out of existence, was not being produced anywhere. So fortunately a a buddy of mine. So even though that died, a buddy of mine still had enough guts to say, you know what, you know, what do you think should be made? And I'm like, you know what? I really think that thing should be made. And honestly, they've, they've totally blown up now and have a factory and they're shipping them out and they're being used by, I mean, I've personally got them to 47 different NFL, MLB, NBA players. Some of the greatest stories that you've seen in sports over the last year have been people doing these unorthodox methods. If you look at my Instagram, you won't find any of them, even though I've gone and personally trained them. I don't, I'm only going to market off me, right? The best marketing for me, is going to be getting faster and jumping higher when I'm 35 and then 40 and then 45 and then 50. So I don't attach myself, you know, to someone else's marketing. The point is that this device is now out there. You can buy it now for knee, as we come up to knee flexion, that one's been much more common though, 
if you go into your local gyms, you won't find a Nordic bench. Now you'll find dips, you'll find right. chin-ups, you'll find body weight training for the upper body, you'll find sit-ups. You won't find body weight training for your hamstring in normal gyms, even though it costs a fraction of a leg curl machine. The right. difference between a leg curl machine and a Nordic, imagine you're sitting down on the leg curl machine about to start. Okay, you're about to start. Your leg is straight, right? That's closer to where your leg hits the ground when you're running. There's no load yet. Now, if you tried to curl that leg curl, it gets tougher as you bring it closer. So a leg curl machine would definitely be awesome. In my system, we do that once a week. But another day a week, we work on that Nordic. Now, if you're doing a Nordic, you're starting well, with so your knees say, bent. Yeah. So we described for people who are listening, describe yep. the Nordic. Yeah. So with the Nordic, you're on your knees and then you lower down, like hovering over and lift yourself back up with well, your hamstrings. You, you left out the important part. So you're on your yep. knees, but you've got your ankles. Secured. Someone's holding it. Exactly. The ankles are secured. Ankles, right. And then yep. you're trying to keep your body, you know, there's, there's not arguments, but there's different opinions about how straight you keep your hips. Some people like it totally straight. Some people like a little bend. You'll experiment. You'll find out which one seems to get different parts of your hamstring, the proximal side or the distal side, the part yep. closer to your hip or your knee. Um, did I do that in the right order? I did. Um, uh, so you'll play with that a little bit, but the gist is you're trying to see how, how just lowering yourself down and eventually exactly. back up. And if you think, oh, that sounds cool. Uh, most of you will find that it's the most impossible thing you have ever tried in your life. Yep. But the natural freaks can do it. I trained one of right. the top five richest athletes in history and he's known for his speed. And we were working out a knee issue, but I was just going over the different things. And sure enough, he can do Nordics as good as I can without having ever trained them. So yeah, that's this is a major difference between someone. If you walk in and you see every LA fitness bro who can bench 225, squat 315 and deadlift 405, and they'd all drop like a sack of potatoes on the Nordic, except someone who's a natural, you know, freak of speed, and then they can do it no problem. So you need certain equipment for it. I've also helped people innovate certain things. I came up with like a strap concept. So you can turn a bench into a Nordic. You can have a partner. I have, if someone just searches how to do a Nordic hamstring curl on YouTube, my video comes up. It's the most viewed Nordic video on YouTube. It goes over the history of it. It goes over exactly how it's progressed. So anything I'm talking about, I have a library philosophy. Anything I'm talking about is not secret behind some paywall. It's right, right there for free on my YouTube. I haven't even turned on the ad money on my YouTube. I make zero dollars on over 350,000 subscribers. And to be clear, you make videos like people breathe. I mean, you're, you're putting out content like I've never seen before. It's great. I appreciate that. So I want the data to get out there. Yeah. People who then, you know, want to train in this way, then that's, that's what my business is, is coaching people through the programs that I found work best with the option that you can actually send in videos of yourself. You can send in questions and we now have it down to like, two hour response time. We used to have it like under 24 hours, but my whole thing has just been like fueling just insane customer service. Like that's the yeah. direction we keep going in. So the point is that anyone can go learn this Nordic and you'll see how much it relates to running, but honestly doesn't relate very much to jumping straight up and down. Right. So that's where we get into that. Someone could have a phenomenal straight vertical jump, but be slower, you know, running across distance. Hold on. I got, I got to show it off. Hold on. Oh, wait, hold on. Got to back it up. It was, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was excellent. Show it one more time because I like to make everything measurable. So there's no gray area right. and people are free to their own interpretation. But the way I coach it is I'm only looking at the thigh 
Yep. And what I'm trying to progress people to is that the thigh can go 45 degrees. When we're watching form, we can see if the thigh gets 45 degrees. So I don't even look at if the hips bend or this or that. You can't cheat your thigh getting to 45 degrees. Now there's even different ways to make it harder or less hard. But if you want to show that again. And for people who don't know what, if you're just watching what I'm doing is I'm showing this one Nordic hamstring curl that I did. My phone is freaking out on me. You got just quite to 45 degrees. It was pretty close, but that's freaking amazing. That's absolutely amazing at 59 to do a very good quality. Ah, crap. I I keep hitting play and it keeps pausing on me. (laughs) It's really annoying. Uh, here, wait, let's see if we can do it again. All right, here we go. So there's no cheat. If you just look at the thigh, there's no cheating that tension. And you can right. see how much that relates to running a ton of force yeah. there. But if you go to the top, go back to that video and pause it at the top before you start. Just oh, to show man. the difference. All right. <laughs> my phone is my, for some reason, it's every time it turns off every two seconds. And then I got to go all the way back to get to the video. No worries. Okay. Basically, uh, with wait, the Nordic, on. when you're in the top position and you haven't started you know, yet, and this is really this is really hard to see because of yeah. the way things go. So right there, there's no tension at the top. Correct. With a leg curl, it's hardest at the top. So the Nordic and the leg curl kind of have two opposing right. strength curves of where right. it's hard. The Nordic gets hard right where that foot hits the ground when you're sprinting. It get, right. as the knee is getting closer to straight. It's also like comparing lat pull downs to chin ups. I don't think any of the gymnasts right now in the Olympics got there from doing lat pull downs or machines. So there's something, there's definitely something different about that pressure of handling your own body weight, that it's a higher amount of pressure than just being on a machine. So it's nothing against a machine, but this, I feel like has even been proven many times. In- that, there actually is research that I've seen that is um, where it highly correlates Nordic hamstring and sprint speed. So That's the cool. fact that watching that, because I look, I played with this for a long time, but I never really saw the progression that I've experienced since doing your program. And frankly, the amount of progression in the short amount of time was stunning me. Like when I did that down and back up, I'd, I'd never tried it before. In fact, I was just showing off to my wife and I said, check this shit out. And, you know, I got down and it was like, I'm feeling pretty good hanging out right here. And then I'd sort of pull him back up. And the next thing I know, I'm back up. It's like, and you'll see if you watch the video, I'm just giggling because I had no idea. Um, and that yeah. was really stunning. So, but to your point, so we've got we have the tibialis bar or the tib bar for working yep. on the, the anterior tibia, tibialis, which is completely overlooked. We've got Nordic hamstring curl and then just regular hamstring curl in various ways to get both ends of the hamstring. Yeah. Yeah. But if we made, exactly. But if we made it really simple for trying to run faster, you got your tibialis bar, you yeah. got your Nordic bench. Yeah. These are now things that you're trying to get measurably Correct. strong the same way a power lifter cares about his bench press. Yep. And then the third one, is lifting weights with your feet. So you're standing up straight and now you're just trying to lift your knee. So how strong is your hip flexor to lift? And again, that kind of equipment didn't come out. I was strapping things to my feet. You can hang from a chin-up bar and lift a dumbbell with your feet, but that would kind of be like trying to bench press like a slippery bar or something. Like it, it definitely is a good way to get started. There's gymnastic movements, which are phenomenal for that. L-sit progressions. That's what I use in my body weight system is just L-sit progress because it gets it going, but it gets nice to have some variation and not treat it just as something you do once in a while, but like as, as part of your year round progression. So now there's this, there's this monkey foot that it uses, I think biking technology, like just a simple device. You strap it on and now you can hook onto any dumbbell with your foot 
And now you can like measurably with full intent, try to lift weights with your feet. And again, with that, I would find that the fastest guys relative to their lifts, relative to their body weight, were like freaks of strength on that. And then some of the strongest guys were absolutely pathetic at that, but only the guys who struggled with their top end speed. <laughs> well, until, and FYI, I mean, I've been doing, you know, my fake version of that with um, uh, just stacking up ankle weights. And then yep. when I, when the ankle weights, when I need to, to have an uh, go up a weight that's smaller than the next ankle weight, I've got some like little spacer weights, like quarter pound, half pound, three quarter pound, and I'd strap those in as well. And so, nice. you know, that's the, that's the garage, <laughs> the garage yep. version of doing the same thing. Yep. And, you know, big difference. And it's, it's actually a funny exercise because the first few reps like, oh, this is no big deal. And the last few reps is like, I think I'm going to shoot myself in the face right now <laughs> because it's actually not that it's, it's not even that it's hard or painful the way that certain kind of lists are, but it's sort of like you're willing your body to move and it just doesn't give a shit what you think. Yeah. You're it's taking it to tap out the yeah. same way that if you took a bicep curl until you couldn't curl it anymore. It's and the it's same and it's just that you're and you're, we're not used to that. So no, you're with not the used hip to flexors. Also, well, it's also like hip flexors and calves. I mean, the muscles that we use a lot don't respond the same way. You don't get a pump in your hip flexors the way you get in your biceps, your chest. You know, you, it's it's just it's an, such an unusual experience that it takes a little while for your brain to get used to what that is and how to do it. Yep, exactly. So those would just be three simple examples that if you made it your life mission to get as strong as humanly possible on those three then relative to your triple extension, you'd be able to handle that triple extension and turn it into horizontal speed. So to be the best athlete, you want it all. There's no advantage to being weak. <laughs> there's, no, there's no secret advantage to being weak in some movement or area of your body. But if we think about those three things, and I think about all the slow athletes who have come to me and said, I want to run faster, not one of them ever has strength trained those three areas with consistency. Right. So for me, those become a way of life. And it's not as simple as just looking at life through a straw on those three, because if you're going to train those hip flexors, well, then we want to do things to lengthen them as well. We don't want to just leave it in a stiff position. And that's one reason we have a lot of success with the Nordic, because we do the Nordic once a week, but we also do that short range, meaning like a leg curl type once a week. And we do something to really lengthen out those hamstrings once a week as well. So that's like a key part of the process. So if you just try to do Nordic three times a week, that might be so excessive. I don't know how your progress would be or not, but if you hit one a week on each of those three, you're actually funneling little gains to the next one. And then little gains to the next one versus just beating, you know, one area to death. That was actually my experience because when I first started doing Nordics, I was training two and three times a week just because now I wasn't doing as much volume as I'm doing with you. Cause you're doing like, you know, five sets of five. I was doing maybe two, three sets of eight, which I guess if you add it up, yep. it was a little more volume, but suffice it to say, yep. I wasn't making the same kind of progress because I was overloading and I didn't even realize it because it didn't feel like I yeah. was, but definitely and yeah. some of it's, and I think a good chunk of it's neurological. I think there's that component as well. Um, and that takes definitely. time just for your brain and your body to get. Wired. And even if you kept that up, I still think you'd adapt to it, but it's like, oh, yeah. I've been, I've been doing this a while. So I give people the, you know, formulas that are going to give the best result. Like we don't want to risk overdoing it in the process, not to mention when you do sprint, there's then, you know, we want some of that hamstring length, like where the hamstring, not just flexibility, but where it can actually handle some strength through like a stretched position. Right. So it's like, you know, we don't want to just get the body out of, you don't want to be struggling in any of those areas of the hamstring. Absolutely. Sprinting yeah. is such an intense activity, but now for the regular person, that's where I was you going. do those three. 
And now it's like so much easier not to have back pain and knee pain and these kind of things. Even every step we walk starts with that tibialis. We're, we're loading it, especially for people in sports where we decelerate like a soccer yep. player, they decelerate through that heel every time basketball. So that's part of it is that if you want to run fast, but you're always beat up with injuries, it is so hard to run faster. Yeah. So that's it. That's a huge part of it is that if you're just bulletproofing your body and it's not, you're in less pain to run, your body's going to be able to express more of itself. And then that action of sprinting without holding back because of niggling injuries. Like, you know what it's like with those nagging injuries? Oh yeah. It's so much harder to improve speed, jumping, whatever. Well, my first two years after getting back into sprinting from a 30-year break, I was getting injured constantly. And so that was really annoying as hell. But I vividly remember like once that got better and some of it actually came from doing those traditional lifts. There's a coach that I talked to who said, you know, what can you deadlift? And I'd never deadlifted before. I said, yep. so I, you know, put some weight on a bar. I said, I was, I was about 250 or so. He goes, what do you weigh? I said, about 150. He goes, call me when you're over 300. I said, uh, why? He goes, well, what we've seen is once you can deadlift more than twice your body weight, a lot of these problems go away because you've got enough strength to handle it. And once I got over 300, I mean, basically the two things that got me from being injured constantly to almost never is getting out of traditional shoes and yep. getting stronger in that particular lift, you know, it's a big help. Yep. What I've been doing with you is a whole different game, but I want to, um, and, and that's, that's the potential. And that's a huge part of the strength. And what you mentioned on the deadlift is, very well known and, and nine out of 10 coaches, you know what I mean? Yeah. will be telling you, I mean, actually, I don't know any coaches saying not to have strong glutes and hip extension, you know what I mean? Mm. But then I didn't know any coaches telling you to also care about your ankle flexion, you know what I mean? No, With the same not. care. Absolutely not. So we've been, we've been kind of talking about, you know, uh, about athletes, but again, um, we've also hinted about how important this is for quote unquote, normal human beings. And we started out by talking about bulletproofing and, and protecting the knees by doing what, I mean, what you've put together is a great collection of body weight exercises for the quad, specifically the VMO, which is really unusual. Most people have never done that. So that's one aspect of dealing with the knees. The other aspect is the, the flip side on the hamstring on the part yep. behind your knee, basically. But you also then talked about- you know, And then going down to the ankle and the feet. Absolutely. Then it gets so important in the ankle and the feet. But you, but you also talked about, about hip problems, back problems. I mean, this does go all the way up. So for normal people- yep. Talk about just, you know, what it is that you've put together and how it's affecting not just knee strength, which is critically important for just walking around and especially as people get older, um, but, uh, you know, how that relates to backs and hips and all the other. Exactly. Exactly. Something bones connected to something bone. Yep. So it, it took me a while, but the conclusion I finally came to is that if we build from the ground up, meaning like, for example, the stronger your foot gets, you just improved your odds at everything up above it. Yep. So a simple way to, to give an analogy is like if you stood on top of your house and had to jump off and if you watch the landing in slow motion, so it starts with the feet. So theoretically, if your feet are strong enough, you could land from anything. Now, whatever the feet can't handle goes into the ankle, whatever the foot and ankle can't handle then goes into the knee. So my program starts with body weight, strengthening the feet and the ankle, and then gradually going up to the knee. And we don't even start the Nordic until my second program because it's such a high force exercise. Yeah. And, and there's no, there's no pressure, whatever, you know, time people take, they can see it all from day one and see the progression, but it's this idea of getting strong through the foot and the ankle and the shin, and then the knee and gradually working up to the hips. So the more strength you have coming from the ground up strength, mobility, I just call this shit like ability. You know, it's like, Oh, is that flexibility or mobility or strength or power? Like, 
for my intents and purposes, I don't really care. We're talking about ability. The more ability your feet have, you just like based on physics, like that's just how this universe works. Like it's not an opinion. It's not something that needs to be studied. They could study what the ramifications are and come up with, oh, that makes you 16% less likely to have shin splints. But it's all kind of bullshit because it's like that would still be what? 16% for 18 year old untrained males who like it's it's all just going to be relative random numbers. If you get stronger from the ground up based on the universe, you're improving everything up above it. So this concept and and gradually reworking the body and getting amazing feet, amazing ankles, amazing shins, knees, hamstrings, hips, it gets a lot easier not to have these things. So people are shedding the painkillers and surgeries at like a mad rate just by taking this common sense approach. But everything that I do, it's like, maybe you've kind of seen it here or there a little bit, but it's never really been like turned into like, this is the system, you know, exact measurable progression. So it's like anyone can start it. Anyone can keep going. You're in sprinting. So you're already in like a pretty progressive field compared to maybe, uh, you know, traditional fitness, but like how I described some of these things, like, you know, certain body weight exercises just weren't common or popular. Some of them I had to kind of invent a little bit, if you will. And then same with certain equipment as we, as we gradually progress. So that's what I use. I use a zero concept, master your body from the ground up. Then I use a dense strength concept. We're trying to get strong, actually like really addressing things that make our tendons and ligaments and spine. And like, we're trying to build dense strength. And then my third program is where we get into really now like strict measurements of like, okay, this is a really good mark for a male. This is really good mark for a female. And I like that shit so much. That's literally all I do now. So now I just spend a week on each. And people can even do that on my app. People who just want to do, just keep rotating. I don't know if I'll ever change because I've kept getting more athletic. I've got a crazy six pack. I've got, you know, leg muscles popping out. I, you know, I usually do the bare minimum, you know, on the upper body, but even the upper body is, is there depending on, you know, how much someone wants or needs, but that's the overall concept is build from the ground up, not in concept, but in actual number of sets and reps. And if you look at weight programs, even for sprinters and stuff, you won't usually see that the volume is honest to the physics, you know, and it's the same, it's the same with the shoe. And I really wanted to talk about the shoe because if people look at my social media, they won't see me doing, Oh, use my influencer code for this or that. I have zero influencer codes with any company whatsoever. My equipment list has over 750,000 reads. It's generated millions of dollars. I haven't made one penny because I'm just a motherfucking coach. That's it. (laughs) I'm not an influence. The moment I take money for being an influencer, I am an influencer, whether I like it or not. The moment I take money on YouTube ads, I'm a YouTuber, whether I like it or not. I'm not. Coach is where I'm happy. And so when I talk about these shoes, it's because I'm actually wearing them. And it's in hindsight, it's really upsetting that this was not, you know, (laughs) even more common, but like you're succeeding, like it's happening they're getting more popular. And now when I post about them, I'm seeing people not from your page, just regular people, not from your company saying, holy shit, those changed my life. You know, I'm I'm seeing that same kind of vibe that I try to run my company with. And I've been wearing them for every workout now for months. I went through a transition. So I was a basketball player. That means like worst of the worst shoes, not to mention worst of the worst shoes, but then adding all kinds of orthotics, like the, the things like a, like an astronaut boot by the time, you know what I mean? Yeah. And all these chronic, my chronic foot and shin pain, pains were so bad. 
So as I was going through this process of fixing my knee, but finding out that, that I actually needed to build from the ground up to have the most bulletproof knee, I also was then like, man, my, my feet are feeling better. I, I don't need these thick shoes, you know? So I started wearing those martial arts shoes, the Feiwei. And I was like, this feels a lot better. But now it's to the point where my feet are so much stronger that even that shoe feels too bulky and compressed. And now this has, this has the wider toe box. Yep. And now I, I can run, jump, do all this stuff in these. So you probably have so much more experience with helping people transition to this. But if anyone's listening, who is coming from like really nasty footwear, really nasty foot pains and shin splints and stuff, I didn't find, you know, that it takes that long. And I think that if you're actually strengthening those areas, then you really shorten the transition time you need. And we're seeing that every day now, people on my program doing this ground up and then switching to more barefoot shoes and, and just like killing it explodes. Well, you know, first of all, um, thanks for the kind words. And, you know, my wife has a great line. She goes, there's enough shoe companies in the world. There's no reason to start another unless what you're doing changes people's lives. (laughs) Exactly. And I want to back up a little bit. And it does. It does. Foot strength obviously is near and dear to our heart. Um, And there's research from Sarah Ridge at BYU showing just walking in truly minimalist footwear, not stuff that the big companies sell with that name, because most big companies are not providing the same benefits with their products. But just walking in truly minimalist shoes builds intrinsic foot muscle strength as much as doing a foot strengthening exercise program. But here's the kicker. So I would say, I agree with you, uh, what you're saying about the importance of foot strength. The one device that like Sarah had to develop something to actually measure foot strength before, during, and after for this study. Wow. Wow. But there isn't a really good device that does that, that not only is a measure, but is basically, let's call it the tip bar for your feet. So there's definitely a something there we'll have to talk about and see if we can figure out a way to do that. I've seen some things that are designed to build strength, but they don't have that measurable component yeah. that you get when you're loading weight, for example. So we'll, yeah. have to, we'll have to powwow about that. And to be honest, though, the feet are so capable compared to most like joints. So yeah. there's so many different capabilities within the feet. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's why I think that hitting them from all angles, getting out of stuff oh, that's going to restrict. I was, my podcast I was on last week was Gate Happens. And it's all about it's foot doctors and they're a huge fan that I'm wearing the zeros now. And they had a really great analogy, which is like, which foot do you think is going to have better balance? <laughs> they got that from me. So that was there cool. you go. That was my thing. It's like I'm not, the way I said But it, that I made the light bulb. To me, truth is simple. Like it, it shouldn't yeah. take this, like truth should be simple and you should be able to visually see it. You know what yeah. I mean? Like you should be able to see if something's true. There shouldn't be words involved. So if it was just well, like on a screen, like, which foot is going to have better balance. Right. It just makes it so simple. Well, the way, the way I, I describe it for people who aren't watching, I go, so, um, you know, put your fingers together, squeeze your fingers together. That's one thing. That's what your shoes are doing. They're usually squeezing your toes, you know, even more. But if yeah. I was going to ask you to drop and do push-ups, do you squeeze your fingers together or do you spread them out? And that's so true. Them out. It's like, why do you do that? Well, better. <laughs> yeah. No one would try to do that's handstands what? like this. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Same idea. Now this is, this is my goal is to keep coming up with these visual um, metaphors, if you will, that just explain the reality that we all know, but frankly, Frankly, we've been duped to believing other things because yep. someone figured out a way of making money by convincing you that you needed whatever that other thing was. And then it, yep. after 50 years, which is what we have of, you know, of elevated heel, padded, motion controlled, flared sole shoes with pointed toes, everyone thinks that's what you need because why would these companies be so successful if it wasn't that? And, and it is, it, it's the exact opposite, obviously. We've had 
CEOs and VP level people at at least three that I can think of, multi-billion dollar footwear brands, tell people that we know, oh yeah, that whole natural movement thing, that's legit. We just can't do it because it would be admitting that everything we've said is a lie. Exactly. And that's where it's like, you know, I'm the knees over toes guy, but I understand the non-knees over toes people because I could have been the one who started the trend of adding, you know, the bulky footwear and compressing the foot, thinking that it somehow, you know, protected the feet from life. You know what I mean? I could have been the one who started the trend of, of don't let your knees over toes because that puts pressure on your knees. So it's like, I get where that is. The tough part then is if you've built up an entire business, if you feed your family, you know, based on now that being said, I still think that honesty is the way to go. Meaning I think that if, I think that that if Nike did, you know, just do everything honestly to be, I think they'd still make just as much money. Um, And I think that they'd do better. Actually, they would do, they would do better in many, many ways. I don't want to give them advice on how to run their business though. (laughs) Um, But but this is a conversation that I've had. It's like, you know, here's the thing. We can produce genuine results instead of just selling an image of, don't you want to be like this guy? Um, And that's a whole different story. But I want to, I I go to back up to the very beginning of what we were talking about, which is what tends to happen in these conversations and give people an experience of the difference between knees, not over toes, knees over toes. But wait, before I even do that, did you come up with knees over toes guy or did someone name you that? And you went, oh yeah. Oh yeah. I I meant to tell you that I used to absolutely hate social media, you know, because (laughs) I wasn't on social media and I was a trainer getting phenomenal results, you know, but seeing all these people with millions of followers with these videos of like, don't do this, don't do that. You know what I mean? All this like, and so, but it it hit a certain point where I realized that I just wasn't being tough enough. And if, if I was really going to make a difference, I was going to have to go on social media, but that's how little of a F I cared about social media is that I said, if all I accomplished with my social media is every day trying to bust this myth of no knees over toes and educate people on how to get there safely, then that would be a success for me. So to be quite honest, my career has been a success. Actually, it really worked that name, even though I set it up with like, a, I don't give a F attitude. Yeah. I'll be the knees over toes guy. Perfect. My wife thought it was ridiculous. You know what I mean? And, and she's still, Hey babe, <laughs> she says she still does. She still thinks I at some, <laughs> even though she's knees over toes girl, which I didn't, people probably think I made her do that, but she just, <laughs> She now just one day had the idea herself. That's like, that that's, like a, nice. that's like a superhero duo. <laughs> I, was, I laugh at it. <laughs> she, she still laughs at it. Yeah, but I was okay with accomplishing, you know, that purpose of trying to just, just trying to enlighten people to have the data on it yeah. and then let them make their own conclusion. So yeah, I, I said, okay, my career is going to be dedicated to, you know, working that's on right. this myth. Okay. So let's give people, let's give people an experience. And I have an idea. You tell me if you want to do another one. My idea okay. is, doing, is basically just doing um, a lunge thing. So just straddle and a normal lunge, knees not over toes. So yep. you're just dropping down and you want to keep your knee basically over your heel. So yep. you're doing it your way. So I want to, so do me a favor, set it up so that people can like walk through doing it the traditional way, the safe way, air quotes around that, and then how to do it your way. I would definitely show it if I had some space, but it's also people are, are people listening. Listening. So yeah, it's yeah. A challenge. Go so, you know, if you get in a normal lunge stance, you've got these kind of nice, like 90 degree angles and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that 
position. So it's not like you want to be weak in that position. Well, here we now, I'm going to, I'm backing up. I'm going yep. to do the, the bend to English translation. So let's yep. start with just take your left foot for the fun of it and, you know, yep. step out in, in front of you. So your left foot's about maybe three feet in front of your right foot, obviously yep. shoulder width apart. And the normal technique is just drop straight down so that yep. you end up with a 90 degree angle in your front foot, 90 degrees at your ankle, 90 degrees at your knee, 90 yep. degrees at your hip and your back leg, basically same thing. So when yep. you just drop straight down, that's the yep. normal way. So now my goal for people is to take that position, but then to keep lunging forward so that the front hamstring completely covers the calf muscle without the back knee touching the floor. So you're, and you're doing ideally and ideally with the front heel on the floor as well. That's the thing. That's kind of a long-term progression of it. And it's, yeah. And it's, it's my all-time favorite exercise because you're able to get into a full squat. So you're in a full squat on the front leg and you're damn near doing the splits on the back leg. Yep. And so I show in tons of videos, I, I have a, a really good front splits. I can do the front splits on either leg any time of day, but it's because my strength training is taking me through that hip flexor front split range. And then I mentioned, I do other things to lengthen the hamstring. So that is a very tough test for someone to be able to, if I just said like, you have to get your front knee, your front leg hamstring to completely cover the calf without the heel lifting off the floor, which is a long-term progression. You can right. start with it lifting up without the back knee touching the floor, but to get to the long-term progression, you'd have to have very elite ankle mobility, very elite ability to bend your knees. And it's, we're not just doing one side of it. You know, we're going to train both sides. So you'd, you'd end up with very elite balance between legs, which is that balance is just a bigger factor of the strength, meaning athletes yeah. are injured all the time and they find out that the strength differential from one side to the other was like over 15% or whatever is kind of the rule they use. So just because you're a strong and explosive athlete, your own, it's almost like the more explosive you are, the more likely you are to develop bigger imbalances. So you still yeah. see some of the freakiest athletes with these blowout injuries. So they have such an imbalance that then they get into an awkward position and one leg can't handle it. So you'd have elite ankle mobility and the better your ankle mobility, it allows you to use and develop all those muscles of your feet, lower legs, knees with the balance between sides and with pretty elite hip flexor length, which what are we doing right now? I mean, I don't know about you. I'm, I'm sitting and I'm okay yeah. with spending a bunch of time sitting because I do that exercise every week. Yep. So I even think for back pain, and knee pain, if you just lengthen out those hip flexors, you just give your knees more room to move and you stop putting your back into this compressed position all the time. So the, the shortened hip flexors is one of those massive societal problems that we almost all have these like shortened stiff hip flexors. Then we're trying to beat on it with different massages or whatever and static stretching, which is okay. But when you actually load an area that you're in control, Right. that you're not just passively pushing against, that you're actually handling the load, you create like four times more injury reduction. And you can actually create real lengthening to an area that you don't just stiffen right back up, stiffen right back up, stiffen right. So if you're strong through a range, you start to really own that range and lengthen out the area. It's a, so, it's a misunderstanding that people have, let's use ballet dancers. They think, oh, they're really flexible. They are, but part of the way they develop the flexibility 
is the strength that it takes to say, lift your leg up to your face. And so yep. there are a number of people who have been famous for uh, like doing side splits between chairs and all the people who do yep. that. Juju Mufu is probably the most famous lately. And Juju also. Very, yeah. issues. Um, it's like, they all say, no, no, I didn't work on getting sick. flexible. I worked on getting strong at lifting my legs into that position. And that way I can, yep. stay there. like you said, I can own that. I can control that. Um, exactly. So, you know, one of the things that's great about your program is that you have the quote regressions for, you know, here's what you're aiming for, but if you can't get there, here's what to do to, you know, for where to meet you where you are. So for what we, that's what it's all about. Yeah, Knowing where you're, it's easy to know where we're trying to get to. Yeah. The solution to get get there, there, that's the value. So for the, the quote, knees over toes lunge that we just talked about, that we talked about the end goal where you're, you're moving forward enough that your knee is way over your toe, your heel's still on yep. the ground, your back knee is off the ground, your, yep. your hamstring is covering your calf. For people for whom that is too much, and that's most humans, I will brag, I can do that shit. But, Hell yeah. um, but regardless, for people who aren't there yet, give a couple of the regressions so that people can go try this and see that it's frankly not too hard to get in. What Again, yeah. what I adore about what you've done is that you have set it up so that wherever you're starting, you can start there. You know, some of these workouts that I mentioned that I love to collect, you've got to be pretty elite just to even do, just to even set them up because they're, yeah. but you've really, you have done a brilliant job of just designing things so that people can start wherever they are and progress from there. I appreciate that. So yeah, if we describe the, everything we described that we're trying to get a lead at. So if we start with that ankle mobility, I have people start by letting, letting the heel come up, whatever it has to come up to, to cover the front hamstring over the calves, because over time, you're now going to be able to put attention on lowering it down. And every session that we do that exercise, we actually start with calf raises where the knees are over the toes. So we're loading into our ankle mobility and getting strong with that ankle mobility. So you're also prepping in a way that, that each session you'll feel some improvement in that ankle mobility. So, and if you think about like an astrograss squat, it's still very up and down. So mm-hmm. it's not like it's bad for ankle mobility, but what, what I'm describing, your body moves diagonally. So you're, you're actually loading into that ankle mobility. So over time, it's going to improve and improve as just like what you said, we're getting strong in that range of the ankle. So ankle mobility. Yeah. Go ahead and let your heel come up, whatever it has to at first. Then there's the strength to pain-free get those hamstrings to cover the calves. Don't have that pain-free strength. You put a chair next to you. Lately, I found the best one is like PVC pipes because you can just take two of them and they give you balance so Mm -hmm. they can balance you and you can push down to reduce the load. And then it's very easy to just kind of like let go of them as you're able to do it by yourself. So the leg strength, the ankle mobility, those both scale. And then this back leg that's stretching like, oh, my hip flexors are too tight for that. Well, now if you elevate the front foot, Now you just changed the angle of the back hip flexor to whatever you can handle. So simply by jockeying those three factors, your hip flexor length, your ankle mobility, and your pain-free knee strength, then you're able to work that at whatever level. And that's how I came up with that is because that's where I had to start. And then by working with people in person, working with lots of elderly and stuff, that's exactly where we would have to start. And what's funny is if you're training some six foot 10 guy who has like terrible knee pain. Oftentimes, some of these young, super tall basketball players have knees as weak as the grandmas, quite, quite literally. In some cases, the grandmas have stronger knees relatively than these super tall basketball players. So no wonder they're in chronic pain and icing all the time and having surgeries all the time. So that paves a way that you can be seven foot three, or you can naturally, you could already do everything I'm talking about 
and be able to handle weights. You know, it'd still be a good idea to get really grouped in body weight first, you know, until that's really stable. But now for me, like that's how I've gotten to where I can jump so high is because I took that a real bulletproofing exercise, but I didn't just leave it as like a mobility drill. That is, you know, that is my primary squat. <laughs> so like right. now I try to keep getting stronger in that position as opposed to just going back to the traditional what back to. So a lot of people are succeeding by using that to supplement their traditional stuff. I have to just stay on this stuff and see where that gets me. But yeah. I just helped a guy squat over a thousand pounds recently. He was stuck at 875, a power lifter. He's a, he's a well-known, you know, world level power lifter, which you have to <laughs> squat over a thousand to compete at the top level of powerlifting. You know, he's 300 pounds and he's been training for it his whole life. And he was stuck at 875 with knee pain. So he has that powerlifting squat. So he used the ATG split squat and these other ankle drills in order to restore pain-free ability to express that strength. And now he shot up over a thousand pounds, no knee pain. So I'm not going to go back to traditional lifting. I have to just yeah. stay living what I'm doing. Plus my sports basketball, my muscle mass is very normal and, and on par with what a pro body should be like for basketball. Yeah. If I was going to pursue a different sport, then I would make, you know, dietary changes or perhaps add, you know, more traditional lifts for putting on muscle mass. So, so these sessions are 30 minutes long. You could add it to something else. Yeah. I'm always, you know, also by me just living them, I'm always like fine tuning and improving them. Whereas if I just now tried to go off and do something else, you know, I wouldn't want to leave my product behind. That's what saved me. That's yeah. what's helped people. So like, I'm okay with just staying in, in that zone. It's uh, God, I had two thoughts that just bumped into each other and they disappeared like any <laughs> matter. Uh, that was really crazy. So obviously, you know, one of the things about YouTube that I find fascinating and annoying as crap is how many people are profiting by just commenting on other people who have stuff that's doing well. So the number of people who showed up lately to have, you know, their opinion about what you're doing. I mean, you're trying to keep up with, not that you're doing this, but it's as if you're trying to keep up and make more videos than they can make about your videos. And I haven't even- Fortunately, I've never opened up a single one of those. And some people have even yeah. said that, oh, wow, that, that video is actually complimentary. But you know, with the thumbnail, it's like, <laughs> no, wait, knees, I, I, like I, I'm just trying to upload my videos and I'm looking on the side. It's like, knees over toes guy exposed. You know, it's just <laughs> yeah. like, what the fuck are you exposed? Yeah. Like, and then sure enough, someone, but I'm like, Ugh, like I'm just not even going to click no, on that. Well, then, then I'll tell you, I've, I've watched a couple of them just because, not because I wanted to see whether they were agreeing with you or disagreeing with you. Trust me, I want to watch them. It's very intriguing. Uh, don't bother. Um, but you know, the reason I'm not I watched was because I'm just curious to see how well people think. I'm just mm. curious to see, are they actually applying anything having to do with reality and or physics. I mean, I did a rant on my podcast. It was, you know, why pe more people need to know physics. And the gist is because if you understood physics, you wouldn't be swayed by the completely ridiculous demonstrations that most shoe companies use to show yep. how good their shoes are, which have yep. no application in reality. I mean, like the whole thing, yep. with the, you know, maximalist shoes, it, the physics on this is really easy. We know that to run faster, you need more force in the ground at the right angle. And we don't know how to do that, but we know it can reduce force, spreading it out of more distance and making it yep. apply slower. And the one thing that reliably does both of those is cushioning. End of story. There's yep. no way. I mean, you can't violate the laws of physics. So anyway. Have so you seen a track shoe? It's the most minimalist exactly. thing ever. Exactly. And people say, yeah, but that's for sprinters. Like, yeah, it doesn't matter if you go back to the 60s. Yeah. The distance runners are wearing the same thing. So now you yeah. get it. And it's based on physics. And that was one of the right. best pieces of advice I ever got. You know what I mean? 
is not, don't go study the studies, go study physics and you'll create something way better than, you know, what exists. More, what you'll do is you'll be able to understand where people have a bias or a vested interest or design yep. something wrong because they're not because look most of the studies coming out on footwear in particular are being done in labs sponsored by big shoe companies because they yeah. have the cash that's the trouble with studies man yeah I, I mean there was someone came out with the stat on it that seven times more money was being spent on all the acceleration muscles than the deceleration muscles yet the overwhelming majority of knee injuries happen when you're decelerating, decelerating. Yeah. overwhelming Knee injuries almost never happen accelerating. It's almost all decelerating, but the money is all going. So no, there's no study on strengthening your tibialis. There's no study on the ATG, the astrograph split squat, which is my favorite exercise of all time. It's really impressive. Yeah. It's, it's a fake out because you don't think it's going to, I mean, for me, at least I feel it more in my VMO until the next day when I feel it in my glute and like in real time, I feel it in my VMO. The more you lengthen the hip flexor, the more potential you have to develop the glute. So that's why it's a wonderful foundation, even for the people who want to go drive up the deadlift or something. If you pair the deadlift now with some of these other things, now you can just drive up the deadlift without, you know, potential ramifications and really like harnessing that into athleticism. So I got to ask you a completely unrelated question. Oh, wait, you're holding up a zero shoe. So talk. I'm just, I I love the shoes so damn much. You can see I've been beating the hell out of them. (laughs) And I actually got these, I actually just went to REI and just brilliant. Yeah, I just went to REI and picked up a pair. And now by the time I went back, they were like completely sold out. <laughs> and well, and now I, I'm I know I later today I'm checking later today I'm checking to see if they have any back in stock. And and of course I'll order, but I've just been I oh. told you I've been like traveling around and stuff. So I I love being able to stop into a I, store. I, I, I know a guy who knows a guy who could hook you up. So um I buy everything full price myself. I love right. supporting businesses. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, so here's the unrelated question because many people have fantasized about something that you have done. What okay. Was it, what was it like being on Rogan? Oh, uh, I was already chatting with him. Yeah. And so it didn't come out of like completely out of nowhere. But, you know, when he started shouting my stuff out, it was really funny. I think how the universe works that I was taking all these measures to train other coaches in what I do. Right. And so what's funny is had he shouted my, had he shouted me out any earlier, I wouldn't have been able to handle the demand smoothly with my same response time. But, and I was doing this all for free, which is hilarious. So there's like, someone can get trained in what I do and it's run, it's its own organization with my mentor who I completely trust. I didn't want to break up what I was doing, but I was like, you know, the demand, you know, I thought was going to be coming in for making these coaches. So it was a super smooth transition. It boomed the business a ton. I told him how grateful I was. Definitely don't invite me on the podcast because I need to focus on, on handling this right now. So yeah, you won't, you won't see me on, on Rogan anytime soon. But what we have going is really, really good. And I just want to keep improving the tech of it. You know, there's so many yeah. things that someone might not look at when you're running an online business that just takes work to deliver it, you know? Well, FYI, the tech that you're currently using was developed by a friend of mine. So no way. That's awesome. Swear to God. That's and, awesome. Uh, he sold the company right before you started using, using the product. Um, oh, wow. And I reached out to him and said, dude, check this out. <laughs> it's yeah, it's phenomenal stuff, but we just want to keep, you know, like tech's only going to be improving. Yep. So I have my own full-time web developers. Um, who have even been expanding on on what they do. So he he's yeah. even been making integrations within that. And but yeah, I mean, Rogan changed my life, my family's life, my staff's yeah. life. So super freaking grateful for that. And I think it just goes to show that you know 
if your business is really built on changing lives and if it, if it does change lives and you have a fair value for the lives you're changing, like things will work out. Like, you know how many people I've, I've told like, you know, no to different quote unquote opportunities to keep my integrity in. And then Rogan shouts me out. You know what I mean? That was super, super lucky. I happened to go help someone that he happened to know, you know what I mean? That I had, I had no reason to help this person. There was no finances in it for me helping this person. I didn't know that Rogan knew them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so that then like created the connection. So yeah, I mean, if someone out there is like starting their own business, that's definitely my advice is like change lives first and business it, will follow. It's a friend, a friend of mine who's a, a very well-known psychologist. He's been writing books and you know doing his thing for, geez, how long have I known him? 30 plus years. He's been doing it for longer than that. Um, someone asked him, how do you become a millionaire? He goes, it's easy. Figure out a way to improve people's lives and then charge <laughs> a little bit of money for it. <laughs> yep. Brilliant. And that's what your shoes is. It's like Thanks. the moment I tried it, I was like, I completely got it. It, it changes lives. You've helped popularize the, you know, this whole movement that you're not going to monopolize the market, even if you deserve to monopolize the market. It's just not necessarily how it's going to work, nor is that no. probably your goal. But no. you're going to be taken very freaking well of just by you know focusing on your here's, own product. And here's the here's the likelihood because I mean I've, uh, this happened in previous. Nike's going to copy you, but real matter. people are still going to buy your shit. You know what I mean? And I'm not even sure that they will because what we saw in 2010 was the many of the companies coming out with quote unquote minimalist products. And then they pulled them off the market because they couldn't justify two stories that were so conflicting. And so, but if mm. they do, people say, well, isn't this, you know, can't the big companies take your ideas? I go, yeah. And that'd be awesome because it would exactly the value of what we're doing. It would help everybody. There's always, you know, I hear a rumor. There's more than one company that makes cars and refrigerators. <laughs> yeah. I mean, everything, you know, so I, I'm, I'm all, we're trying to just make this a movement where yep. eventually every, this is going to be the norm instead of, you know, things that look like this. So yeah. that's, that's my goal. And if I can help make that happen before I die, that'll be awesome. Um, it's happening. Like your, your yeah. goals, like it's happening. I swear in the last five years or so, the amount of change that, you know, Oh, yeah. It's actually happening. Oh, like no, we're, like we're, so we're many it. people. Yeah. We're seeing it. And it's really fun because there's so many people who never believe me. And uh, your video just shut off there. You get back. So, oh, you know, yep. people didn't believe me for years and now they're starting to. And I think by <laughs> next year, um, the numbers will make it just impossible for anyone to ignore, which is going to be fun. Um, a friend of mine. Yeah. And there's a reason they're completely sold out, but every other brand is in stock. So it's yeah. like you're still ahead of like, People are still catching up to it, but oh, way ahead. We've actually had. Um, uh, we saw something on the Nike website that, if you looked at it, you would think it was one of our shoes. There's a company in in Europe that's sort of like the REI of Europe. They completely took an idea from me. Like yep. if you hold, if you hold the soles up next to each other, <laughs> literally stole the molds. And then you know we're seeing that a lot. And I I don't mind because it just again validates what we're doing. And I know that if everyone's trying to take one little idea of ours, they can't take the whole thing. That's not going to happen. But what we're yes. looking for, the simple thing is we're always looking for ways of just, it's simple. It's the experience. It's just getting more people to have the same experience that you did. And that's what transmits. That's what moves out. That's how the whole business has grown. Is yep. You know, I always say, um, if you don't like people, don't wear zero shoes because strangers will come up and want to talk to you about your shoes. <laughs> yep. We had one Craigslist misconnection where someone says, I saw you wearing zero shoes on the, on the bus and I didn't have mine. So I was too embarrassed to say, hi, please respond. And we're waiting for our first, you know, zero shoes, meet cute. Then zero shoes connection. I love zero it. Zero shoes, rom-com. 
that's awesome. <laughs> that, that'll pr- we, we've made it when that happens, when we've got, you know, the, the, um, it, it's happening whether, I mean, cause people are reaching out, they're like, no way, dude. That's like, like well, you like Syracuse. I like Syracuse. Like, well, it is. I mean, there's a funny one. So I was in, um, do you know, Tony Horton? Oh yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. yeah. So Tony, yeah. same thing, you know, is living in zero shoes. And the other day I'm in a restaurant picking up dinner. Um, and as I tend to be more often than not in bare feet and a guy walks up to me, he goes, Hey, you're Steven Sashen. I go, uh, yeah. He goes, yeah, I'm in Tony Horton's thing. And so he went on and on and on. I called Tony and went, tell your people to leave me alone. <laughs> and we just sort of, well, cracked. that's awesome. That was great. I, I, w- great. I took my wife out for, for dinner last night and, um, the host, was like freaking out because he saw my name and he's on my zero program right now. I love it. So I run into all these like, you know, wild little universe connections. It's, it's very fun. You know, I think your YouTube fame will greatly eclipse mine, but there's times where I'm, I'm like at high school track meets and, and there'll be three groups of people. One group recognizes me from being on Shark Tank. One group recognizes me from being on YouTube and one group recognizes me from Zero Shoes. And, yep. um, it's, and Shark Tank is absolutely massive. That's like okay, it's huge. Well, so, so here's the thing. We come up with our foot strengthening thing. We get you on shark tank and then we have some fun, more fun. Sounds good. Yeah, we, we have no choice, but to keep going. I know it's true. Well, although we have no choice, but to bring this one to a close. So do me a favor. Um, yep. I know people are probably already looking for you, but tell them the easiest way to find you and what you're doing. Yeah. So my only product is ATG online coaching.com. ATG is short for athletic truth group, but it's also like ass to grass. You know what I mean? So ATG online coaching.com. But anything I've mentioned or talked about, there's videos on my YouTube, the knees over toes guy. And then there's even, you know, bite-sized data on Instagram uh, at knees over toes guy. And, and if anyone listening to this is on TikTok, yeah, I'm also on TikTok <laughs> as <laughs> knees over toes guy. Hopefully you don't lose my, you know, respect for me on that one. No, Actually, my last little piece of advice that might help someone is if you're going to make a piece of content for YouTube, you might as well take a piece of that for Instagram and TikTok. And then you handled your post right there. I've had so many viral videos. I've never made a piece of content for TikTok. I simply take something that I already have and just post it. Uh, you know. see, I, I call TikTok the platform for women who don't, for strippers who can't find a pole. That's um, it's it's tough, but I've saved some knees now off TikTok. So that's <laughs> you've saved, but I don't even look at the comments. I just I just oh, yeah. make the posts yeah, and I make you know and I tell people check out the YouTube or the Instagram or the site. You know. I love it. Um, yeah, we have, well, uh, tick, that's a whole other conversation we'll have to have. Anyway, yep. um, Ben, thank you a so much for, for having this conversation, of course, for everything else that you're doing. Um, there's nothing I like more than people who are providing genuine help, but of course, there's nothing I like more than that than people who are doing it by breaking out of the mythology and propaganda that is has, you know, we've been living under for decades and doing it legitimately. It's not that we're just being contrarian. You know, we're actually, ironically, we're going back to the way it was done for millennia and just no one ever knew. And then someone tried to codify yep. some other thing and and put their name on it. And yep. for whatever reason, bad ideas sometimes spread really, really well. Yeah. So, so congrats. Well, I, I appreciate you. I'm building up my own podcast. So once it's, you know, decent, I'd love to have you on there because okay. I, I wanted to ask you a lot, but I know that people listening probably already know the, you know, the answers to those questions. So mm-hmm. I, I'd love to bring you on and have you break down, you know, feet and footwear, not to mention master sprinting, I think would inspire a lot of people, but particularly oh, to, to, to break down, you know, the feet on my podcast would be awesome because you're going to the- be talking to people who, who get it. See, here's the first of all, thanks. And it will be a pleasure. And, you know, here's the thing at 30 at your age, you know, everything's still really fun and people pay attention. Um, I'm in the age, I'm, I'm just getting past the age where people just ignored me completely. And now I'm getting to the age where I'm an inspiration and I have very mixed feelings about that. 
<laughs> my favorite embrace thing, it to uh, me it seems like you're embracing each face of life I, mean, I, I i get a kick out of it my favorite thing is to go to a, like a high school track meet where they're having uh, automated timing and if it's, a, if it's an open meet i'll go race and they'll usually put me in with a bunch of the high school guys and i'll beat a lot of them and then i walk up to them and go hey um i'm older than your dad and I wait to see which ones get inspired by that to like come and kick my butt the next time because they're going to be really interesting and I want to help them. And the ones who just that's get so cool. Like, eh, okay, come on. I, I that's so cool. Well, it happens one person at a time. So it absolutely does. So speaking of one person at a time, for the one person who you are who you're listening to this, thank you for being here. A reminder: go to www.joint. Did I have have did I add an extra W? Anyway, three of those W's. You know what it is. <laughs> uh, join the movement, movement.com. You'll find all the places you can get the podcast, all the previous episodes, um, all the play- ways you can interact with us, including dropping me an email. If you have a request or a question, someone you think should be on the show, just send an email to move at join the movement, movement.com. If you want to check out Zero Shoes, uh, go to zeroshoes.com, xeroshoes.com. Although if you accidentally type in Z, you'll still get to us as well. But most importantly, go out, have fun. Don't, don't go to any Los Angeles area REIs, all right? Uh, I know. Leave we're my stock. zero shoes no, alone. We're getting stuff back in stock. But again, <laughs> go Thank out, God. have fun, live life, feet first. <laughs>